What is Facebook coin? It is not a cryptocurrency. It is, in fact, a financial ecosystem that Facebook is building from the ground up under the moniker of the Libra Foundation, mm. which has partners that include Uber, Vodafone, Anderson Horowitz, and some other things you may have heard of called Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, Stripe. Coinbase. Coinbase. Can't, you can't forget them. And many, many others. Coinbase is their like token legitimacy to call themselves a crypto. <laughs> I don't know if they really wanted to work with them or not, but Coinbase is there. Hold on, before, before you, I, I think you just made a very big accusation there. What would define cryptocurrency and why is it not a crypto event? It is beyond just a cryptocurrency. Mm. I, I, I like to think of cryptocurrencies next. as like the whole idea of it being borderless and censorship <laughs> resistant. This so, uh, yeah. this this is going to have censorship completely like as part of it. You know, you're not going to be able to send Libra to and from Iran, for instance. Like, it's just not going to be legal or to North yeah. Korea. Right. So, to touch more on that, what does it mean to be a financial ecosystem? So, Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency. It's used to make payments. Ethereum is beyond just a cryptocurrency. It's a blockchain. It's a platform that you can develop on. And what Libra intends on having is, first of all, it is a blockchain. Aside from just a cryptocurrency, you can develop apps on top of it. You can make cross-border payments with it. Cross-app payments. That's what I think is going to be interesting. Payments. You know, it's going to be like, look, say you have... Uh, your Uber credit. Like right now you have Uber credits and you have Lyft credits and you have maybe some PayPal bucks and then you have all these different private currencies. So what Facebook is doing is essentially saying like, hey, you have Uber credits? Backing an Uber credit is, you know, one Uber credit equals one Libra credit. Or maybe it's just all going to be Libra, right? That wallet will be integrated in all these different apps so that you'll be able to use your Uber credits, which will be Libra, to buy groceries at a store owned by one of these VCs or something like that. Yeah. So they're just going to make cross-app payments really, really, really effective. Yeah, that should be interesting. In addition to that, one of the things that will make these cross-app payments possible is a brand new smart contracts platform. Yes. Which is written in their own language, which we'll get into in a moment. They invented a new language. Why don't we get into it right now? Well, we have one other thing that they're doing in this financial okay. ecosystem that is a big deal, and that's open identity management, mm. which means... You can open a bank account without the, the documents of a driver's license or a birth certificate. I assume they're going to try and use some kind of biometrics or other way of proving identity, which is not a unique thing. It's something that's already in development in the crypto space, but it's definitely unique in the banking world. And in their white paper, they say they're going to target the billions of unbanked people to try and include them into this financial ecosystem for the first time. So this is a very, very big deal when it's all put together. Yeah. So getting into the technology used, it's going to be one giant distributed Merkle tree. If you know what that means, you're excited. If you don't know what that means, you don't care, and we're not going to convince you to care. What is interesting is the Byzantine fault-tolerant consensus model. So they're going to have these staked nodes that all of their partners are going to run to then verify each other's transactions and prove that no one is lying on the network. The interesting thing about this is it costs 10 million US dollars to stake these nodes to prove that the information it's giving so, is true. Yeah, I think this is how this is how it, my understanding is how it works is that there's all these different nodes it's going to be like a proof of authority POA type consensus mechanism. So it's some something you guys could go ahead and look up. There's some other cryptos that are using it. it's kind of like how Hyperledger works 
proof of authority. But what's interesting about this is their Facebook is actually doing a security token offering, an STO, whereby ten million dollars gets you, you know, this token, and that token gives you certain rights. You could write things to the blockchain. You can participate as a as a validator. So they're doing this STO as a as a fundraiser. They're raising a billion dollars on that. Wow, hundred companies, ten million bucks a pop to be a node on the first interesting Libra Libra chain. So while they call themselves a decentralized network and they aim to be more decentralized in the future, you can see right off the bat. There's a very, very tiny amount of the population that even has an opportunity to be allowed to participate, and that's just in the beginning. Imagine five to run years a node, yeah, but yeah. anybody can trans. Hopefully, the idea is that anybody in the world can transact, but they're still going to have to follow. Right. Like with the difference between Bitcoin or Ethereum, like these open permission, permissionless, censorship-resistant things, is that like you know, you it doesn't matter where you are in the world or who you are or what race, religion, creed, color, whatever. Yeah. I could send you money anywhere. And so obviously Facebook and like the powers that be don't like that idea because there's people in the world that they have sanctions against, right? Mm-hmm. Like we can't be sending money to Venezuela, you know, right. and vice versa. And so this is going to be a platform where it's super easy to use money and it's super, yeah, ch- exchange money and all this stuff. But still at the end of the day, that it doesn't get around one of the main ideas of why Bitcoin was invented is because we think that you know, you should have sovereign control of your funds. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's it's a different coin for a different class of people, right? Yeah. Um, it's not going to replace Bitcoin. That's for damn sure. In addition to that, we're talking about their new programming language, which is called Move, which is designed to allow people to write much more easy to create smart contracts that are a lot faster, a lot more secure. So that is one thing that actually is an innovation in this project. Everything else seems to be borrowed. Everything else that they're doing from the cross-border payments, Ripple already does that, and so does 10 other things. Bitcoin, we've all <laughs> you guys heard of Bitcoin before. Yeah. So I think what is unique is how they're pricing the token, right? So it's asset-backed. So this is pretty yeah. unique, and they're going through you know all sorts of different leaps and bounds to get all these regulatory insurances and approvals, which it seems like they're going to be very successful in. But basically, when you hold one Libra credit, it's like holding a fraction of a dollar plus a fraction of a British pound plus a fraction of a government bond from Germany plus a fraction of a government bond from Japan plus like, right? So they're taking fractions of all these different things to minimize the risk and volatility. So you have the underlying asset and the actual price of the token, the Libra token, will fluctuate, right? It'll, it'll have a float, essentially. So it could be one US dollar one day and a buck oh two the next day and 98 cents the next day because yeah. there's an active float. But with all these different assets that are backing them, it's used to minimize the volatility. Yeah, so it's going to be a sort of stable coin, mm-hmm. but without being like Tether or TUSD, for example. The other thing that's really interesting about the tokenomics of this project is the Libra Foundation can mint or burn tokens at its own discretion. Oh, really? At any time. I didn't read that one. Based on their deposits. They need uh, the supermajority, the two-thirds of, uh, of the power. I think they only need one-third. Two-thirds. Two-thirds. It's got to be two-thirds. Two-thirds would make more sense. But in any case, it's not a steady token supply. They're going to give themselves that flexibility mm. to create or change it. So what this means <clears throat> is it is not a speculative coin whatsoever. It is pure utility, mm-hmm. with the exception of this other coin that's going to be used for uh, security stake. token. Right. So, I wonder where that that's going to be really interesting. So, 
something I didn't really think about until right now, and you just said that is like if you look at the price of a a seat at one of the stock exchanges, right? Mm-hmm. The CME or the CBO. I think it was like four hundred thousand dollars to a million dollars for one seat. And so think about what people are going to pay for this security token to be a validator on the network. Like, I'm kind of curious if people are going to be flipping their seats, right? They'll be like, okay, I'll pay 10 million bucks to be a validator and to, and to set up a node and all this kind of stuff. And they have that token that they could essentially give to or sell for 20 million bucks to somebody yeah. else to grant them now the rights to be a validator. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting you know, trend that might unfold. It will. So they're also going to, like Bryce explained, the bank deposits from different currencies. And, but the government bonds are thrown in there for an extremely low risk way of generating more interest mm. aside from just the deposits. This interest is going to be paid to the node validators and block producers and early partners in this. Right. So the security tokens are going to gain value while the users of this token will not. I like it. I mean, it's pretty so smart. It's interesting. Uh, as far as when this is going to be available, the early test net is actually available now. They've been working on this for quite a while in the dark, and there's something that we can actually play with right now today at Libra.org, as cool or as terrifying as that may be. <laughs> However, they're going to be doing a soft launch in uh, the first half of 2020. That's their target. They're going to have 100 validators. They're going to have their STO completed. Yeah, but the initial version is going to be a permissioned blockchain. They don't know how to do permissionless yet, and they've actually admitted as much. Yeah. The full version is not going to be, or the full vision, I should say, is not going to be available until 2025 is what their projections are, which I think is a very fair runway yeah. given what they're trying to accomplish. They're trying to like completely re-architect. They're trying to do what Bitcoin did, but just with a bunch of corporations. Yeah, and they're also seeking a lot of feedback and community development and contributions as well. In addition to that, the Libra Foundation is also giving social grants to proposals to help further their project. Mm. So there's a lot of really interesting things that I found shocking and unexpected in this project. Going into it, I was extremely skeptical. Now I'm moderately skeptical. I think I can acknowledge the Libra Foundation as a new world power, in fact, yeah. if indeed they are not silently backed mm. by the existing financial structure. It's like the, the G7, right? But the G7 is... Uh, the new G100 here. Yeah, right? that's the new G100. Yeah. Like the, the global 100 powers that now are making up, you know... Yeah. The, it's like literally the dawn of a new financial age. It is. It is. It's pretty big. Will it be benevolent or will it be predatory? We'll see. Of course, everything is sold as being positive and for the betterment of the world. But is that what's really going to happen? There's no way to know right now. No clue. But I'll tell you this much. We have much more say and a chance at contributing to making this project better than we do of making Bank of America or the International Monetary Fund change the way they do things. Yeah, it kind of comes and like levels the playing field amongst all these other participants. And I like also that Facebook's driving this project, but they're going to like relinquish control of the project and just become one out of all the other nodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, so that's, yeah. you know, I think that they understand that people are wising up to the centralization and the, I mean, they f- they f- everybody over with all the privacy leaks and all that kind of stuff. So they're mm-hmm. like, hey, you f- us over with our social life. Now you want to take over our financial life. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of interesting because like you can't just trust Facebook and you can't just trust MasterCard and you can't just trust PayPal or Coinbase 
you know, whatever. Right. But it, can you trust them to all trust each other and, like, not to lie to each other? So it's like maybe you can't trust one untrusted entity, but what if you trust all these untrusted entities to trust each other? And there's <laughs> It's a like group. this web of incest. Yeah. There's something called groupthink where on your own you may act in your own interest and be a horrible person, but if you're surrounded by a group of peers that are also equally powerful, you tend to adjust your behavior. Yeah. So we're hoping that everyone will hold one another accountable. The concerns I have about this, aside from the move language, which no one really knows if it's it's like a new it's like not. a new solidity. Yeah, which you could say, uh, you know, Eternity Sophia is as well. Right. So, are they reinventing the wheel again, or are they really making a better wheel? We don't know yet. But everything else that they've taken so far is the best parts of the existing crypto technology. They took the open identity system from Civic or BAB to try and target the unbanked. Um, Metadium, the future. the same thing. Yeah. So cross-border payments, Bitcoin and Ripple already have that taken care of. I mean, every uh, crypto, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. DAPS platform. I mean, I can't walk five feet down the street without tripping over a dead DAPS platform. So is that really important? No. But if you're a DAP developer, this has to be the greatest day of your life. Because now instead of making something that might have a 1,000 users on Ethereum or five users on EOS... Now suddenly your DAP is going to be seen by Facebook's user group. Two billion. Two billion. By Coinbase's user group. By PayPal's user group. Uber. Anyone who has... Yeah. yeah. It's going to be nuts. This is like what blockchain is coming to. Truthfully. So I'm very, very scared for EOS and Ethereum and any other DAP platform. Yeah. This has to be the absolute worst news ever for Cardano who has nothing to show for four years of work. Ever. Yeah. And will not. I, I think this is bullish for Facebook. I think it's bullish for Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. But I think it's pretty bearish for every other crypto. Yeah. Like this will, like, what, I don't know, what do you think? Like this is kind of going to take the place, I think, of all the other superfluous cryptocurrencies that are out there that don't necessarily have their own unique value prop. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a, I am definitely more uh, more optimistic than I think you guys are with a Facebook. I think Facebook doing this is like a very very positive sign for what I think we have to de- we have to kind of like define what we want out of cryptocurrency and why it's here. And when we talk about borderless payments and transactions, I think we we jump to a conclusion to think that you know we're going to block payments to people or I'm sorry to countries that we can't take payments to with this new system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we just jump into a conclusion. If they are KYC and AML through the Facebook account, if you have access to Facebook, if you are, have a wallet, the the Calibra wallet, uh, why can't you make those payments? Maybe we are looking at this as like, oh, we can do this. It's still going to be like the banks, but maybe instead we should maybe give the uh, Facebook and Mark a little bit more credit to say. Maybe he is, you know, cutting through this bullshit up that we don't like. And this is a system that's so damn big already that yeah. nobody can stop it. And that's why he's going to work. And he, do, he went to, you know, talk to the Fed directly. He mm-hmm. went to talk to, you know, the UK uh, Fed directly. Yeah. And, you know, he's making those alliances within banks to skirt those government uh, restrictions that we are fighting so hard about. So I think it's like, what are we looking at? I'm sorry, I'm going on a, on a, on a philosophical rant for blockchain no, and Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. But what do we want out of blockchain and cryptocurrency? We want to be able to go P2P. Can we do this? Do we want uh, to money launder? 
Probably not. No. Do we want to give money to terrorists? Probably no. not. Do terrorists have Facebook accounts? Does Facebook know they have accounts? So are we going to get maybe the best of both worlds with this to be able to do our KYC AML without worrying about the laws that we don't want broken with Bitcoin and cryptocurrency? And then once we do that, are people going to use this and look at, at this? And I, like, I always think that Bitcoin is a proof of product. Nobody knew what they wanted out of their money until Bitcoin came around and said, hey, we can do this. And they go, F I didn't know we could do this. Yeah. And now, so now we have a next level. The next level is Facebook going, you can do this and now you can do it with everybody. Because Bitcoin, 10 years later, you're still not doing it with people because there's still this barrier to entry. We talked about it yesterday. Mom and dad cannot keep up with this. Yeah. But maybe they can keep up with Facebook. So now you have a new proof of product. I think once you get the Facebook proof of product, you get into people's hands, you see how they can transact differently to people maybe indirectly in Iran because they have a Facebook account. And now what is Iran going to do? Shut down Facebook. Right. All right, fine. Then that's a, that's a solution. You're, now you're going directly from banking to governments. Now the people have a choice. Do they listen to their government or do they take the financial power to their hands? Now you have a proof of product, a proof of global society. Yeah. What's the next step? I think the logical next step would be now supporting Bitcoin more mm -hmm. and supporting these other private uh, smaller uh, cryptocurrencies. They go in the, uh, the smaller cryptocurrencies, uh, say uh, a Virium or a Sumo coin or you know, <laughs> these uh, <laughs> anime coin, <laughs> whatever, you know, a Metro Pass coin or whatever. They kind of like have a, a more substantial case of saying, hey, you don't want your banks controlling what you're doing. We already saw the, what the government did. Yeah. Now you don't want the banks controlling. Now we have this other solution. You already know what your money can do if you wanted to do it. So I think that it's like a, almost like an evolutionary process of the people figuring out what money can really do for them. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. I, I like it. I also like the idea of being able to have like very easy exposure to all the different uh, currencies of the world, right? Because right now, when I save, it's in the dollar bill or it's in a, maybe a Bitcoin or something. But the most people are like, okay, I save in my national currency. You know, some investors, Forex traders or whatever, you know, they might say, oh, for this next year, certain interest rates make me want to hold on to a peso over a Japanese yen or whatever. Mm -hmm. But what, what this is doing is it's saying, hey, we're going to kind of give you exposure to all of the government bonds and all of the, you know, bank deposits and all of the fluctuations in, in all the different Forex. So in a sense, that's like cool because it diversifies your risk a little bit, but also it diversifies your risk into a basket of hyperinflating currencies. But that's, <laughs> okay, I think there's two, two, two things that look about that. Wouldn't that, because these different currencies are in a basket of stability that people were using, create more stability for these other currencies and bonds? Like, well, what's it, happening is that like, the peg is staying the same, but basically the nodes, the people who own the the security token is taking, they're like taking the spread essentially. So they're actually making money on all the interest and all the balancing of trying to keep that peg. Right, right. So the balancing. Like, yeah, the somebody's making money on the, this. The government bonds of, of Germany are, are putting their bonds into like the system. It's being, you know, basketed together. Right. Which is going to create not only stability for the system, but also those bonds. Oh, right? yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because it, it. So yeah. we're, we're actually creating a, a bigger stability globally in a global economic uh, standpoint if 2 billion people are transacting with the stability of one coin and everything's basketed into one. Yeah, yeah, it's a very good point that you guys bring up. There's another perspective to it, though. And in the white paper, it actually says that they fully intend to comply with regulations rather than skirt them. So all the existing embargoes and so. favoritism that is in place in the world is going to continue to exist. Plus, if you've been paying any attention to social media lately, you'll notice there's been a lot of crackdowns on actual freedoms and people on YouTube having their accounts deleted for no reason yeah. mm -hmm. just for having dissenting opinions. Same with Twitter, same with Facebook. Mm -hmm. It's happening everywhere. So 
It's not it happens just, in the banks too. It's not just terrorists that are going to have their accounts removed. It's not just there will be collateral damage. Just dictators. I mean, but it's not just collateral damage. It's just like the Chinese social system, where if you don't have the, the right social score and people don't like you enough, suddenly you know how you don't have the ability to call an Uber. You don't have the ability to order a pizza. It's like what happened with all those back in 2017, all the Saudi princes, right? Uh, they a bunch of them got their funds seized because right. a new guy came to power, and they're like, "Well, if it was Bitcoin, you would the only way you would be able to seize this guy's funds." is by, you know, stealing his private keys, essentially. Right. And so that's the idea of, like, this permissionless censorship network. Like, yeah, of course, nobody here, nobody in the crypto world supports terrorism. Nobody in the crypto world supports money laundering. Nobody wants these things, but it's the principle, like, there's collateral damage. Yeah. is because you then take somebody who's innocent, and it's not, like, innocent until proven guilty. It's just, like, you, you say you're guilty, and then you have to prove your innocence. Right. Yeah. It's, it's more like pitchfork diplomacy at this point like, <laughs> yeah. on, on social media. But I still think that's – you're right that that's a slippery slope. It is, of course, speculation. But I think that the ecosystem that Bitcoin and Ethereum and Litecoin were trying to build that hasn't really happened yet uh, because of the voluntary. I mean, I'm, I don't give a who's, who's who accepts Bitcoin or Litecoin or whatever. I'm never going to spend my crypto. <laughs> it's, yeah. I'm not doing it, you know. But if I was, you know – putting my U.S. dollars into a stable coin that was not able to transact across borders and to people, and I could send, you know... Uh, like, like I was, yeah, it like serves a different use case. I mean, even in the white paper, they said about sending uh, sending remittance back to different countries. Yeah. To say, hey, we have our embargo uh, is going to make people blocked about that. I don't think that that's the case if that's, like, in their white paper, uh, part of their solution, because they are really going to change the rules of banking if you can say we can send remittance, because even in, like, places where remittance is commonly sent, like um, the Philippines, from Hong Kong to the Philippines, all kinds of, uh, you know... Um, uh, either nurses and home care workers right. are living in Hong Kong and trying to send money back. The Philippines, you know, puts, uh, you know, ma- massive restrictions on that. Is that going to skirt that? Is, is this going to be a barrier? Uh, kind of like when we, when we had, uh, you know... Um, oh, Tyler Atkins. Atkinson, yeah. Uh, Tyler, Tyler, he was on, and he was like, I remember, you know, being, uh, you know, a baseball player, and, you know, the people that were from, you know, Latin America or South America or what have you, yeah. or Central America, uh, would want to send remittance back. And I would drive them to, you know, Western Union. It would be a whole thing. And they had, you know, proof, you know, two proofs of identity and all these yeah, different things. Insane. And he's like, it's insane. I mean, imagine if this just said, you know, F- all that. <laughs> and, and, and they sent a Facebook uh, chat to their parents. It's, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how, like, with the whole idea with sanctions, it's like, Right, there's good people that live in Venezuela that you know have family here in the states mm-hmm. that we just can't get money to because of this overall broad sanction of no money in or out of Venezuela, for instance, right? But maybe what the Facebook coin, Libra coin, whatever can open up is like, hey, we have a, a KYC AML friendly person who has a Facebook account in Venezuela. You could send money now, like kind of cuts out the uh, the sanction, right? The thing right? Is because you of, could send from an American Facebook account to a Venezuelan Facebook account. It, it wouldn't work. Maybe. And here's why. Because the reason the embargoes exist in the first place, and that's Venezuela doesn't want to sell oil in U.S. dollars. Right, because all they oil is take US price dollars for oil. US so dollars. because they're not using the U.S. dollar, the pressure of the embargo and being cut off from the rest of the world is to literally make their country collapse and starve until either the people overthrow their leaders and they put someone... And they play by the rules. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Place they placed by the rules, right? Hmm. Or they're pressured enough and they give in to what the other world oil powers want. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's in place. It's not that. What about know, for, but for Iran, for instance? Maybe that was a bad example. Like Iran, it's like we're not allowed to send. Money. Well, I guess that's also for. It's the same thing. It's the exact same thing. It has to do with oil and U.S. dollars. But, but, but then again, so I now here's a huge competitor <clears throat> coming in to the U.S. dollar. I'm sure a lot of it's going to be backed by the U.S. dollars, yeah. but now it has its own mm-hmm. rules and jurisdictions and different people in charge. If you're the president of the World Bank or the Federal Reserve or the CIA, for that matter, how do you read this white paper? Were you even consulted on this? I well, wonder. I think that's why we see there's a lot of uh, people from the, from the EU, like you just said, uh, the, Ger- the German uh, Federal Chairman or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. There's the French finance minister, okay, that's what Bruno it is. Le Maire, but also the German. Okay. So you were right. Uh, so the, the French finance minister, Bruno Le Maire, uh, pub, uh, publicly aired his concerns and says, this can not and must not happen. Uh, he continues to call upon, you know, the big Central Seven banking governors to prepare a Facebook cryptocurrency uh, meeting, essentially, in July, where they're going to try and say, uh, they, they basically say, this is bad because Facebook is going to become a shadow bank. Uh, essentially, okay, fine. So that so they said all the regulators need to stay on high alert. And the other one was a German member of parliament. Yeah, I was saying multinational corporations such as Facebook must not be allowed to operate in a regulatory nirvana uh, when inducing these virtual currencies. So yeah, so so uh, so I mean, I, this, there's some I, regulators that hate it. So I get that goes back to our point. Like so, just because there is an embargo on a certain country or, or regulations against a certain country, it looks as though these regulators are a little nervous that it's going to undercut their authority, and people still are going to be able to transact without the government, you know, being involved. Yeah, it seems that way. 
Yeah. If you have a Facebook account, and so then, how, what kind of what kind of monumental task would it be for Facebook if you can go with all their platforms? If it's a WhatsApp or Instagram or or Facebook, Facebook Messenger, or anything else that they own, to regulate who gets what, how much of what through a smart contract on the blockchain with limited block sizes and transaction speeds, the network then. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Just, just shut it down. Yeah. So I think that just because of the technical and logical limitations shows that our, maybe that our, our that the regulation that they that the governments wish they could have just aren't possible. The only thing that, you, that we can actually do with this technology is go P to P transaction. We barely can do that on anything scalable. Yeah, I mean, the way they talk about this, it sounds very futuristic, and they give themselves a five year timeline. Given it's the most realistic thing of yeah. any white paper ever. Really, it is. It tru- truly, <laughs> guys truly, five is. years out. <laughs> yeah, and they and they potentially have like what, like three trillion dollars of financial backing between all their oh, partners. All the yeah, so they're not going to run out of money to make. This How much happen. money do they have? I would guess three trillion. This is not an actual calculation. Just throwing a number out of the side of my head. Just with all of the all the hundred consortium oh, members, yeah. okay, gotcha. Their yeah. market cap or whatever their free cash flow, yeah, yeah maybe a ridiculous amount of money compared to the Bitcoin Foundation or Litecoin Foundation or <laughs> even EOS for that matter. Mm. So let, let's do this, guys. Name five cryptocurrencies that you think are going to benefit from this. And five that you think are going to completely die. Okay, that's actually a great question. So I think that the proof of work coins will prevail in this circumstance. So coins like Bitcoin and Zcash and Litecoin, who have all of their happenings coming up very soon. Um, Monero, which has a fractional block reward reduction every block. I think coins like that are going to benefit from this because they have a completely different value prop, right? Proof of work as long-term aggregation of value in these protocols. But I think coins like Tron and EOS and Cardano, like all these smart contract platforms that can do this, like that are just, you know, quote unquote, decentralized platforms, they're not going to be around, I don't mm, think, mm, I um, in light of all this. I, I think, just don't think so. I think I, I think I agree with you. I think that these, these platforms that have been struggling, um, and I think the Jameson Lott pa- paper, you know, much love to Jameson. What, 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 a, what a good dude. But, I mean, when he was saying it, he's like, you know, their protocol didn't sound, solve any of the problems of Ethereum yet. You know, it didn't, these problems still exist. Block size still mm-hmm. is, is, exists. Uh, mm-hmm. And then when they talked about renting space, that was part of it. Like, you might have to rent block size. He's like, well, then when does that get too expensive to rent that space to, to transact? You know, these are still, you know, very important uh, discussions that they're going to have. So I think that... Because of accessibility, your the p- protocols might be in da- danger, but I don't think that unless they have some very very big uh, leaps of, of tech- technology, <laughs> that it's really going to be a big threat. Um, the only thing, the only threat that's going to be there is going to be the access to people, and, and that and, and the, a- the access. But then I'm also thinking, uh, what about like the proof of stake, uh, like especially like delegated proof of stake or master nodes? Like they they may have an issue too. Because, oh, absolutely, I yeah. think so because this is essentially one big DPoS network or one big master node network. Right. Yeah. Um, absolutely, I think all those guys are going to be in jeopardy. Like especially if we get a bull. Like if you want, like if it's going to say get up to like uh, two hundred fifty or maybe a half a million dollars to run a master node on Dash. Like what, when will they just say? This. Yeah, <laughs> we're yeah. gonna pull it together and run a, run, a, run a Libra. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's gonna be so much developer activity on on the Libra stuff. I mean, they'll be able to pay top quality developers and like I remember when when EOS was raising all the money for like EOS VC like with Novagrats and stuff. God bless them. But what has really come of that? We got Voice, 
It's voice. Voice is the... Exactly. (laughs) Decentralized. It's like Steam at 2.0, essentially. You know, they're going to be able to pay lots of developers. There's going to be so much activity on this network. Now, I I will say I love the Steam platform, but it's not necessary. I do just fine on WordPress and Medium, Mm. as I did on Zenga 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, it's not reinventing anything, and it doesn't need crypto. It's just too... Honestly, Steam is just too complicated. Well... There's, like, the editor private key. There's the publisher private key, the author private key. The the private key to take out your funds, the private key to... In my opinion, I I completely (laughs) agree with you guys in terms of the coins that are going to succeed. I think... This is a very interesting time for Ethereum. It now gives them a chance to look away from EOS to something bigger and say, well, before we release 2.0, it now has to be better than that. Mm. So it's a very interesting opportunity. And if they don't beat it, it could be absolutely disastrous. But I think so much in crypto relies on Ethereum. It's still going to be okay, at least for the next five years. However, I think the real, real losers in this case are the other cross-border payment solutions. Ripple's going to get hit very hard. Bitcoin Cash is going to get hit very, very hard. Uh, Stellar's going to get hit very hard. And then any of these little ones like Cryptarium and 10X mm. and things like that, uh, they're going to go completely extinct. Yeah. You know, I think it's going to be hard to drive Ethereum extinct in the short term because of how many entrenched interests there are holding Ethereum, right? Agreed. So there's going to be yeah. price support for that, just like how Agreed. Bitcoin has its you know, holders of last resort type support. <coughs> so I think it's going to be hard to drive Ethereum back below 85 bucks. Going back to their, going back to their white paper, uh, one thing they said on page 2 of 12, they said that, it's a, that all these other cryptocurrencies were poor store value, poor medium of exchanges. Do you guys agree with that statement? I don't really agree with that statement. Like, I think store, like, store value and medium of exchange mean different things to different people, right? So mm-hmm. to me, what do they mean? They might mean something different. So I'll explain, like, what is store value to me? Something that in the long run, you know, over a five-year yield curve or a 10-year yield curve, this asset is deflating rather than inflating, right? Mm-hmm. So with Bitcoin, I'm like, yeah, it's a store of value because against the dollar, the idea is, and is proven to be, that over the, you know, the log curve, it, it, it goes up in price and it stores value. Whereas the dollars by design are uncapped and always the supply is always getting greater. And so you're losing by nothing. Backed by the U.S. government and the trust in the U.S. government and the army. Backed by the U.S. military. <laughs> backed by nukes. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Okay, medium of exchange. I said when we ever go out to lunch together, we always pay each other in crypto just because that's yeah. what we want to do. It's true. Uh, I go out with my friends. I'm like, hey, you don't have a Bitcoin wallet? I'll give you, you know, some Bitcoin to pay me back in Bitcoin because I want to get you guys uh, familiar with this medium of exchange. Yeah. Um, so... Bitcoin, although the block time is a little slow, I tend to not use it that much for like payments between my friends. I like to use Ethereum just because it's quicker. Or the Lightning Network. Or, or, or the Lightning Network. So I, I, I've been using the Lightning Network a lot and it's super user friendly. But I mean, I think it functions as a medium of exchange and it functions as a store of value. I, what about you guys? Like, what, what, does that, what does that mean to you? What's a store of value to you? I think it's a great definition for store of value. When my nephew was born... I put 0.1 BTC in a a wallet for him, (laughs) and I told my brother, here's your son's college fund. Wow. Bold. Yeah. Bold. He said, what do you mean? I said, in 18 years, this is going to pay for your son to go to college. I paid $300 so, for so, it right so, so wait, I'm wondering if it, what goes up, up higher, college tuition or Bitcoin prices? That's, that's Dude, really, we, yeah. we need to chart that. <laughs> Honestly, that does need to be tracked. Um, I'm, I'm curious about I that. I wonder if there's like a chart for Hopefully uh, he's not a prodigy and needs to go to school early. 
right. education price index. There's got to be an index yeah. for the price of education. And a medium of exchange, I really think that is super um, integral. So wallet to wallet, we can simply scan a QR code and all my friends will pay me in Ethereum for dinner or Bitcoin. Or I mean, I haven't even gotten into the Lightning Network yet, truthfully, because I don't care. Like I know that if my friend is going to send me a transaction, I don't give a shit if it clears in three seconds or three hours. It doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. once he clicks send on his phone, you know, I trust it's going to go through, and that's acceptable because we're friends rather than a merchant and I'm a customer. Right. So that's fine to me. So that was my one of my first problems with the white paper. I mean, as we already discussed, what this. A uh, new protocol, a new cryptocurrency, quote cryptocurrency, as mm-hmm. that's probably debatable. It is for, but this is my first first real problem with the with the white paper is to say that it's up, that these other cryptocurrencies um, or digital assets are poor store, store value, and I think that they almost negated like their whole argument, no, saying that you know they're able to mint coins and that it's a stable coin. So what is a, we have to figure out what is a store value, and I think a store value is making sure that your money doesn't go down. In, in value to what it can purchase, mm. and you can purchase more with your or the same amount or more with your currency over a, a period of time. And, and I don't think Libra's going to do that. And I don't, th- I, don't, I don't, I can't see it. Yeah, but I can't see no it. Way. Would either of you guys invest in Libra on the open market? I would, I would hold it. Like, well, what do you mean? Like, buy it to hold I it? I mean, if they, use, if they yeah, said, sure, why not? If they said right now you can buy Libra on, on Coinbase, would you pick some up? Absolutely. I probably wouldn't, like, unless there was, like, right now, well, like, right now, there's no utility for it yet. Yeah, but true. maybe in a, in a couple of years or something, if it's like, hey, this is going to be a lot easier to use than your, like, your credit card, like, mm-hmm. sure. But to me, it, it's like, that's actually who's really at risk here is, like, all the credit card companies and stuff. Well, they're all teaming up. So maybe, I mean, yeah. Exactly, now they're teaming up. So I mean, like, all if you, of them, though. If you Discover can't... and American Express have to be shaking people, right now. People still use Discover? Yeah. Stop. <laughs> Stop. They do. I see their commercials all the time. They're trying. They're, They're trying. trying. But yes, anyway, so uh, would I get it? Would I to play with it? Of course. This is kind of yeah. my job. It would be this fun. This is what I do. I mean, it would be fun. But, you know, man, they're going to mint coins. Who knows where the value is going to come in? It's going to be asset bath. Who's going to be dumping assets in there? Every time a new uh, partner comes in, there's going to be more assets, more minted coins, mm-hmm. more. So it's either, either going to keep a, a value of one Libra equals one uh, Libra, as we want to see, one BTC equals yeah. one BTC, yeah. or it's going to just totally everybody like the U.S. dollar has been to everybody else's net worth. And I wonder, Being stagnant over years. And I wonder also, like, this is my biggest, biggest concern. And this is just me being crazy. As always, there's something in my head that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense right now. But imagine they build out this network, a billion or two billion or even three billion people use it. And then there's some type of bug or oversight or you know mismanagement that causes a huge glitch or potentially even like a long collapse that takes weeks to fix. Or they need to do a chain rollback of half a billion transactions. What do they do in the situation where one of their apps causes something like a $500 million hack like the Dow did on Ethereum? <laughs> what do they do in that situation? Yeah, they're going to roll and, it back and devalue. And Absolutely. What's the reaction of your grandma, my father, the Alabama church pastor who's you know guiding everyone through all this because they you know still don't even have internet at their house? What's the reaction of people going to be towards oh, cryptocurrency Alabama. when... The first big 
problem <clears throat> happens because that is inevitable. Bitcoin's had tons of them. Mm -hmm. We just made it through. So I think that this is when we come into what Andreas Antonopoulos uh, said. And uh, did you did you go to uh, at Denver? No. Did you? I we uh, we had our team there. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's right. Did you did you watch Andreas? No. So uh, when Andreas was speaking, he said I think one of the most important things I've ever heard anybody say. And when he talked about rolling back uh, the Ethereum with the DAO hack or what have you, or, or in, and forking it off, he said, once you are able to change the code, the, you know, co the code is king. Once you're able to immediately change the code, you're going to have problems. It goes from saying, I can't do something because it's out of my hands, it's in cryptography, it's the code, to mm -hmm. I won't do something. Right. And then once you say, I won't do something, you have every government in the world, including the American government, including the power of the American government, uh, as we said, telling Facebook and dictating what they can do with their yeah. with their network and yeah. that's where the problem is going to be so every time every time there's an issue then won't will be we're going to legislate against you because now you're now you're being corrupt you're aiding terrorism aiding terrorism whatever they want doing illegal say. shit money laundering any, anything they want to make up is now there's a person that says i won't do it now yeah. uh, now now how does that work do you remember Apple ran into this situation where there was uh, like a mass murder in Florida or something? Oh, with the phone. And they got his iPhone and they took it to Apple and said, we need you to oh, decrypt his password. Yeah. yeah, We need you to decrypt it. And Apple they couldn't said, do it, right? Apple said, we can't do it. Mm -hmm. And the FBI said, bullshit, 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 until Apple said, well, we won't do it. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, you better figure it out and you better do it. Right. And they stayed there. They, I mean, we never heard what happened after that. But that just means we can assume the FBI found the back door. And remember, that's when McAfee put out the put out the video on YouTube that shows you how to do it. Right? Really? Yeah, yeah. Did he really? Mm -hmm. He's like, he's like, this is how you do it. He did it on a live on a YouTube video. Oh my See, god, that's crazy. That's <laughs> the world we live in right now. So, but I mean, this was already what four years ago or something. Yeah. Right? But that's but history always repeats itself. So as soon as you know a payment sneaks into someone who then goes into Venezuela or Iran and starts <laughs> distributing those Libra tokens from his massive wallet and using some location verification technology that God hope is not XYO to then track this terrorist and say, oh, he then spread this money he acquired legally in an illegal place. We need to roll back that chain and ban him from the Facebook network or whatever it may be. You know, that's going to be crazy. And where does the line get drawn? That's a really good, a really good point, man. It's too much power in one group's hands is my concern. See, but that's the well, thing. Whoever that group is. Exactly. Big Do they have the power? That's the problem. Do they have the power? Is it up to, is it up to a consensus of these two-thirds of, of node runners, validators? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and how, do you, how does the government go to them and say, we need you to validate what we want you to validate to, to make a choice on our side? Now, that's different than saying, do they have the power? So I think that we have to – we didn't see this in the technical paper – or the or the white paper. Who has the power to change this? If it's not the validators, who's going to be the validators? And governments can't say attack a hundred people saying we need uh, two thirds of, of you guys to do it's what It's going to be. It's like uh, is there okay, a backdoor? It's like how? Well, yeah. There's a backdoor to the American government. It's called lobbyists, right? Like yeah. that's what I'm talking about. A backdoor to the protocol. Oh, backdoor to the protocol. It's all besides open, the, it's all open source. Yeah, besides the validators, is yeah. there, there's no way to change. Is that correct? I mean, that's what I see so far. I mean, if all the validators vote on upgrading the protocol, right? And which looks great so far, but I don't think that there's like a user activated soft fork that they could do where it's like if all the holders of Libra you brought can, you brought this up earlier though is you can take the security token that acts as a seat and resell it yeah what's to stop every congressman from buying that or a mandate that now these corporations have to sell it to a US entity or an EU entity or they have to be given first chance to buy these seats that it's easy for a lobbyist yeah. to pass a law that says now these this new world bank structure, this new financial ecosystem, has to include at least thirty percent 
of world governments involved in it. And now suddenly these people are forced to sell their seats. Well, I mean, isn't that just saying like trying to force a government or passing a bill for the government to try to run uh, 51% of the Bitcoin core network? Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, or go, going to Bitmain and was it Ampool and, yeah. and forcing them to it. have 51% of the, 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 the pass power if and changing worked, the code? If it they would do it. I think it would it work now? No, because anyone can run a Bitcoin node. But not we do, we do see these mining pools. I mean, yeah, since everybody has, yeah. that, would, that would not work. To be it honest. wouldn't yeah. work. No, it wouldn't work. They could go to, they could seize a Bitmain warehouse, <clears throat> mm-hmm. but then people would just stop using their pool and go to another pool. Bitcoin literally can't be shut down. Otherwise, they would have. They've tried literally everything they can do to do it, and they can't. So they're coming out with this great distraction from Bitcoin. So all the problems that Bitcoin has from normal users, from easeability of transaction to prices always fluctuation. Now they fix these two problems or features and now deploying it on the most popular social networks and used companies in the country. You, you think, you think this is a conspiracy? I do think it's a conspiracy. Holy sh**. I do. It's gone phones. <laughs> 100%. I don't know who's really behind it, truthfully. I don't but know either. It's kind of interesting. What if Satoshi's behind this all? Is I don't know. I, I definitely think there's Satoshi's a conspiracy right here. I'm not entirely right. sold that the current world powers aren't involved in at least approving of this because it allows them a way to maintain some control versus without this entity, they still just have to deal with Bitcoin, which is yeah. you know in very serious threat of becoming the world reserve currency. And the U.S. has literally destroyed entire civilizations to prevent that from happening. Yeah. I just don't see why everybody's fighting against Bitcoin so much. Because it's a, a power. It's I, I just power. I, I mean I mean maybe cuz somebody can under, uh, explain that to me. I, I don't know why like people wouldn't just like, you know, legislate for it, try to make systems around it and and, and, and leverage it instead of fighting against it. I don't think Cuz then it, it then it, it undermines the power of yeah. the the issuing country. And right? I don't think Cause that the, people like America uses the US dollar as leverage. For certain things, so if you undermine True. your leverage, mm-hmm. then you undermine yourself, right? right. So yep. they say, okay, well, Bitcoin fundamentally undermines everybody's leverage. So you know, I mean, but whose leverage do you undermine the most? It's the highest ranking powers, which, which is, is the why US. there's no Bitcoin included in this asset back. I think that would be an interesting thing. Like, okay, who who knows what ends up coming of Bitcoin ten years from now and Facebook coin ten years from now? But what would be interesting is if Libra did part of its reserve had Bitcoin backing it. That would be really cool. It would. And I would feel a lot more confident that it's going in the right direction. But how insane or politically targeted do you have to be to not include Bitcoin in your portfolio uh, today? Official SQ, SQK says, stay skeptical, pizza. Stay skeptical. Yeah. <laughs> do we have any other comments in there? He knows. Uh, no, no, no. One comment. Thank you for well, that. Yeah. Well, two says amazing discussion. We need more of these. So I think this was a very helpful discussion. I learned a lot. Me too. Thank you guys for your guys' discussion. Thank you, any, guys. Any closing notes? Uh, Here's my closing note. My closing note is let's welcome any technology that's going to do the goals that we want. It's cross-border payments, and then we have to look at sovereignty. And if we have to take a step long-term uh, goal with this, and we and these are one of the steps to get everybody massively educated to understand what money can do for them, how it should operate, and then push them to Bitcoin in the future, then let's take that step. And of course, we're going to have bumps along the way. But I don't. I would not want anybody to stop this because it's not what they want now. Right. Because I think that we can still get what we want. We just might have to take different paths. So that's my final uh, statement. My final statement is don't leave your wife just because a hot girl walked down the street. I'm f-
I already have Bitcoin that has solved these problems. We already have Ethereum which has solved these problems. We already have BAB, bank account based blockchain, which is making an open identity platform for people to get legal UK bank accounts. We don't need what they're building to change the world. We already have that in place. So don't just abandon every other crypto I'm going to take that analogy to an, uh, to the next point. Then it's like, don't marry the first girl you see. Yeah, Ooh. that's fair too. Yeah. Who's but the first girl you saw? I bet it's Bitcoin. I bet it's Bitcoin. I mean, actually, you want to know what the very first crypto I ever had is Graft. Never heard of Gra- it. Exactly. Graft. Don't, don't, don't want to talk about Graft it. Never heard another <laughs> quick transaction. Swipe right, regret, that is regret going to die. My final statement. I think that the next six to eighteen months. Six to six to twelve months is going to be the year of proof of work coins. So I think proof of work coins like Monero and Zcash and Litecoin and Bitcoin and still Ethereum, but it's transitioning to proof of stake. So I'm going to count it out of this because it's they're knocking it off the roadmap. I think we're going to see wild price action in these because we have a lot of the halvings coming up. Uh, we're going to see a really big supply side reduction. So I think with all that going on and plus you know maybe. Whatever, lower interest rates. Um, we, we'll only see, but uh, proof of work coins are kind of my bet this next uh, this next cycle. So, I'm Bryce. This is Pizza Mind. Yo. You know Matt Aaron. I hope so. <laughs> All right, we're peacing out. Thanks for joining us, guys. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.